Brothers and sisters, Islam is the greatest blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. And is a religion that came to make us people that make a difference in this world. It's a religion that came to give honor to those who accepted its message. It's a religion that came to make us trendsetters and not followers. It's a religion that came to make us demonstrators. It's a religion that came to make us people who are seen and not just people who see other people doing things. Right? This is Islam. This is Islam. Islam came to make us worthy citizens of every community we live in. To make us contributors to every environment that we experience. Be it in our home. Be it in our masjid. Be it in our school. Be it in our workplace. In any environment you can dream up. Islam came to make you a more worthy contributor to that environment. This is the reality, brothers and sisters. Islam came to make us active and proactive and not reactionary or passive. Islam came to teach us the O of opportunity over the O of obstacle. I said this earlier, and this is a reality. This is a reality. Now, Basically, when we contemplate over the sentences that I shared and what Islam came with, we see that Islam came to shift paradigms. Does anybody know what shifting paradigms is? No? It came to shift paradigms. Let's run a process which will inshallah teach you about shifting paradigms in practice rather than me giving you a definition. Close your eyes. Let's close our eyes. Everybody, don't be shy. Close your eyes. I want you to imagine something. It's the middle of summer. You work hard. It's the end of the week, Friday. And you're exhausted. It was a long week, as they say. And you're in the middle of London. That's where you work. Everything is tiring. Traffic, foot traffic, road traffic. Everything is hectic. And you just want to get home. And enjoy the weekend. It's Friday, isn't it? TGI Fridays. Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> so it's Friday. And you... Or your mode of transport home is the tube. So you go into the hustle and bustle of the underground and you get onto the tube and you sit down and you just want to get home. And you pull out your mushaf and you start reading. And the train moves. As this train moves, it gets to the next stop, it stops, the doors open and people come out and people come in. And from the people that come in is this person with five children. And... These five children are rowdy kids. Rowdy. And they're running up and down the carriage that you're in. Disturbing people, screaming. You're trying to read the Qur'an. They bump you. The, the mushaf almost tumbles out of your hand. And you're tired and there's all this noise. And the person or the adult that came with them, 
the adult that came with them, is not even making an effort to settle them down. Now without opening your eyes, tell me how do you feel at this moment? Do you feel happy? No. You feel upset? You feel a bit angry? You feel frustrated? And the person who is in charge of these children are not doing anything. Tayyip. So you decide I'm the active and proactive person. I attended the talk with Sajid Umar. And this talk was about being active. So I'm going to get up and do something about the situation. So you get up and you walk to the father of these kids who's just standing. And you say, excuse me sir, your kids are extremely disturbing. They're disturbing everybody on this carriage. And you need to do something about it. I mean, and, and by the way, I'm being polite. <laughs> and this person turns around and looks at you with watery eyes and says, you know, I'm really sorry, but they just lost their mother this morning. And we're just trying to deal with it. How do you feel now? Angry? No. Frustrated? No. You feel apologetic. You feel sorry. You feel compassion. You feel sensitive. Not so? What just happened in your mind? The situation is the same. The kids are still running around, bumping into people. Everything is the same. But one second ago you were angry and all of a sudden you're feeling compassion. What happened? A paradigm shift happened. That's what happened. That's what a paradigm shift is. That you look at one situation and you can see it with the O of obstacle or the O of opportunity. It's the same thing, it's just how you look at it. How your mind perceives it. Islam came to shift our paradigms. This is what it came to do. If we only understood brothers and sisters. Right? How was that example? Or that little process? I hope the people on the camera can practice it at home as well. But that's a paradigm shift in practice. I could have given you the definition. You probably would have thought, I'm not appreciating it. But appreciate it. Islam came to shift paradigms. It came to add context in our lives. When we were running behind content, the glitter and glamour of this world, the one million making it into two, and the two million into three, and the one vehicle into the next, and the one mobile phone into the next, Islam came to add context. Subhanallah. As to how we should conduct ourselves with the glitter and glamour of this world. And how we should utilize our time. And how we should utilize our energies. Context to it. That you have energies, you are utilizing it. But you need some context as to how you're utilizing it. It's happening in the wrong way at the moment. You have wealth and you're utilizing it. You buy all the latest equipment. But you need some context in your life as to how to better utilize that particular resource of wealth. How to become a high impact individual. This is what it's about brothers and sisters. Islam came to increase our net worth. Not the net worth that the finance people talk about. Our net worth as we, as the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Walking this earth, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. 
how to function in a high impact way, how to make a real difference and not just any difference. This is what Islam came with brothers and sisters. Like the famous Sahabi said when he was questioned by the emperor, what has brought you here? What did he say? Look at this context. We have come to remove the worshippers from worshipping the worshippers to worshipping the creator of the worshippers. La ilaha illallah. Before we used to come for trade. Now we're coming with context, with realities that create high impact results. La ilaha illallah. Understand this concept, O servant of Allah. And O child of Adam. Now the question is, how do I become a high impact individual? And this is where my long introduction comes to an end. And we enter the topic of today's discussion which is having a vision. This is where it starts, O servants of Allah and O children of Adam. It starts with having a vision. Have we heard the term vision before? We're in the word television. <laughs> having a vision. Having a vision. This is where it starts. The vision is the framework behind everything we do. It's the framework behind everything we do. It explains who we are and it explains who we're not. It's not appropriate English to say who we're not. It's colloquial, but it sticks. Who we are and who we're not. This is what the vision does for us. It's the housing of our missions. Everything we do in life is a mission. But why do we do it? It's housed by this vision because we're trying to get to that vision. Becoming a high net individual and a high impact person starts at the vision. Now many of us might have read books that talk about visions and missions and goal setting and strategies and so on and so forth and have an idea of what it means to have a vision, what a vision means. But I'll put it to you in other terms for the purposes of our discussion and that is a vision is the answer to the question how would you love to be remembered when you die? What's the legacy you want to leave behind? And as someone beloved said to me once, when they explained this concept of vision, they said, what would the world miss when you die? Right? What would it miss when you die? Meaning, what value did you bring to the ummah that once you've gone, that value is going to go and the ummah is going to miss it? Meaning, the same thing we just said, what is the legacy you want to leave behind? This is where it starts. This is the question, brothers and sisters, when you want to become high impact. Now, I'm not telling us that we all need to become Gandhis, for example, because he was a visionary. And most of the books you read talk about Gandhi and Roosevelt and, and these names, for example, as examples of visionaries. We, we just heard the other day of Martin Luther King and the celebration or the 50th celebration of the speech where he said, I have a dream. That was a vision. 
Right? I'm not saying we need to have... I'm not telling us that we all by default have to think on this global level. No. Each and every one of us, Allah made us with our specific core and our specific abilities. Some people are introverts, some people are extroverts, some people uh, are risk averse, some people take risks. People are different. But in your own realm and your core being, you have a purpose as we've established in the introduction behind you as a creation. And within your resources and capacities, there is a legacy that you can leave behind, whether it's in the form of a familial legacy, where it's a legacy left behind in the family, where your family will talk about you for generations to come, whether it's a global legacy where the world will talk about you for years and generations to come, whether it's a business legacy where you institutionalize the revolutionary program which took the world by storm, and everyone in the realm of business will talk about you for generations to come, and so on and so forth. It depends. But the crux of it is each and every one of us have to have an answer to this question. What is the legacy that we want to leave behind? You are a Muslim. You have to have an answer to this question. And there has to be a legacy that you leave behind. Subhanallah. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa left behind the legacy. And so did the companions that he nurtured with him. And took over the affairs of the ummah after him. So this is where it starts, my dear brothers and sisters. Having a vision protects us from living two extremes. The first one is the extreme of people who think they know but they don't know. And they think they're doing things but they're actually not. When you have a vision, you protect it from that extreme. There are people in, community, in the community today, when you call them to action, they say, we're acting. They're in a state of heedlessness. They think they are acting but they're actually not. And then there's the other extreme of retrogression where you become a passive individual and do nothing. Why? Because you don't have a foundation to lift yourself up from. Why? Because there's no clarity in your life and no purpose that you've understood behind you as a human being. And by Allah, it's disrespectful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to live your life acting as if there's no purpose behind you and your presence on this earth. It's disrespectful to Allah. In our introduction, we just established that it's a sunnah from the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of us disrespect Allah by verbally saying, there's nothing for us to do. Or we have no purpose behind us being here. And inshallah the majority don't say this. But what the majority does do is disrespect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in practice. Yes, we don't say it, but when you analyze your life, you see in practice you are doing a disservice and are being disrespectful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In that you have not lived yourself acknowledging this purpose behind you as a creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Behind you as, a, as one that Allah has blessed to acknowledge the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the prophecy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa so in practice, we passive. We might not say it verbatim. We might not believe it. But an analogy of our lives shows that we are not being true to our belief or so-called belief that we believe we have a purpose. So brothers and sisters, this is where it starts. What's your vision? 
in life. And the coming about of this vision obviously comes about from what we spend time in our introduction discussing. The purpose behind you as a creation. Having a vision helps breed focus in our lives. Remember we said it tells us who we are and who we're not. Right? We're not people who do everything. Because you cannot do everything. People who do just everything don't have a vision. You don't have a vision. It breeds focus. And it helps us become high impact people in that we use the years of our life in achieving so much more than a person who does not have a vision does. How? How? Give me an example. How many times have we seen a person start a degree at university and after two years they say, well, I want to change my degree. Is this familiar? How many times does a person start a job and within months this job is breeding his depression? And he wants to change his job. Is this common? Common. When you pry further, and for me personally this is something in in practice. When we visit the different ISOCs and sit down with the different students and they sit down with you and say, you know what, I, I want to change my profession. And you say, why? Ah, because uh, I'm just not feeling it. Why? I don't know. But why did you start it? Uh, because, you know, I had to do a degree. And, um, you know, it paid well. It was, oh, that's what my friends were doing. So, you know, I did it. This is the problem when you lack vision. You waste time. You waste time. The two years of your life that went is wasted. A vision helps protect your time, protects the resource of time and wealth. How many times does a da'wah organization, they do something, and then all of a sudden six months later, the project is shut down. Now we're doing something else. So why did you start doing that project? Well, you know, those other masajid were doing it. So you spend six months of your time, of donations, that wealth is gone, you're not going to get back. And what do you have to show for it? Zero. So now what you're doing, oh, we're doing this now. Now we're doing this program. And after six months, it's cancelled. It's a mess. No, no, no. We don't want to do this. So what do you want to do now? You know, that masjid up north is doing that. Let's try that. So we don't know who we are. We don't know who we're not. So we have no direction in our movement. So we're wasting time and wealth. And that masjid or Islamic center might be there for 10 years before they actually start doing real work. So that's 10 years lost. And that's wealth and money and donations of 10 years that becomes lost as well. So coming back to my initial point, having a vision helps add years to our life. How does it help add years to our life? By making us do high impact things all the time and not things we will grow to regret. Not things we will turn back and say, hold on a second here, I've wasted time, I need to start again. Do you understand this point? It makes us high impact people by what? By adding years to our life. We're not the student who's dropping out after two years or changing specialization after two years. So he finished his degree when he was 26. I finished it when I was 23 or when I was 22. I finished on time. I'm high impact. In the four years to 26, I did much more than the student who's now just graduated. Do you see how you become a high impact person? This is what a vision does for brothers and sisters. 
And it was appropriate that the first talk of this tour, Making Our Bark, started with the concept of having a vision. Having a vision allows you to make the right decisions at the right time. And this is important. Because this is the crux of being a high net worth individual. An active and proactive individual. Think of a person who wants to travel from Bath to Australia. The vision is Australia. Because they know what they want to see on their deathbed. Right? They want to see themselves in Australia, for example. Everything they do will have meaning behind it. They won't be buying a vehicle right now because they're moving. You won't see them taking out a loan to buy a house in Bath because they're moving. It wouldn't make sense. Why would you want to take out a loan for a home when you're leaving? You would see them purchasing a train ticket to take them to Heathrow and a plane ticket to take them to Australia. That makes sense. These are missions. What do these missions lead to? The vision. What's the vision getting to Australia? On the other hand, take our friend who just jumps into his car in the morning and he starts driving. And you ask him, where are you going? He says, I don't know. I'm just going. Okay. After one hour of driving around aimlessly, he didn't impact the ummah in any way. He didn't impact himself in any way. He decides, you know what? I'm a hundred kilometers away from my home, but I've decided I want to go to Scotland. Tayyib, now what? I need to fulfill. And then I need money. And then, but my money's at home. Why is your money at home? I left it at home. But you wanted to go to Scotland. No, when I started driving, I didn't know. I just decided now. Do you see the example of no vision? So now what happens? I got to drive back, but I don't have enough fuel to get back. I'm stuck. Now I need to worry somebody else, come fetch me. Or I need to catch a bus. Or borrow money from somebody. To come back to get my wallet and get my money and now sort myself out. Because now I know I want to go to Scotland. Now I know. It's dawned upon me. After I've wasted so much time and so much money. This is the concept of a vision. So I hope we understand this.